Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 18 It is something of a commonplace to observe that one can be more alone in a city than in the wilderness, that perhaps the very presence of so many unconnected people, the milling crowd of strangers, may be more isolating than mere physical separation. High on a windy moorland, one is simply alone. Aimless in a mainline station at rush hour, with every hurrying body intent on some other errand, place and person, one is lonely. Perhaps we might even make the case that out in the countryside one may be physically unaccompanied, but in the city we find the true loneliness of the mind. Indeed, in the open space the imagination ranges free, becomes peopled with nature, but in the high canyon street we lose ourselves and all our companions. Or perhaps we might argue that the great outdoors simply surrounds us without doors, trees and ants and squirrels, with all the things that susurrate and chitter and scamper and rattle, with nothing human, in other words, while the city surrounds us with us. The city is the human, and is peopled with our histories and stories and ghosts. Even the city that is wilderness has its ghosts. London was one of those places once. As the Roman Empire in the west dwindled into sunset, it withdrew its legions from the far-flung provinces, leaving the rain-haunted island of Britannia out on the edge of the world to fend for itself. The origin of emperors became the fife of petty kings, the great cities fell into desuetude, and classical civilization dwindled to small lights in the crowding darkness. When the Angles and the Saxons arrived in Britain, they found London a deserted ruin of itself. They wondered at the dilapidated temples and empty circus, and could not imagine that they had been built by mortals. The work of giants, they thought it, of a race far greater than they, and their melancholy English souls quailed at the glory that had gone before them, the golden days chasing the sun into history. They let the city alone, alone to witches and weather, bandits and the rain, and ghosts. It is hard to imagine that place where once the roads and writ of Rome ran and ruled, now a desolate an abandoned wasteland where, in the discarded impedimenta of civilization, only the bold or desperate individual might venture. Or maybe it isn't, because here they come now, between piles of rubbish heaped into hills, down valleys scattered with the useless detritus of life, a band as desperate as any you might fear to encounter in the wilderness. In the drawer of assorted nonsense, in the bottom of Benedict Nail's writing desk, a king rides out, from the hill fort on top of a heap of old headphone leads comes the trumpeting of a carnix made from a broken novelty straw. The toothpick gates unfold and from them processes down a bobbing line of torches into the dark. It is a goblin king and it is a goblin sort of parade in a goblin sort of night. For the marching troop are all broken and unlovely things and their torches held aloft are the singing heads of their captives and at their head is a lumpen and party-coloured monarch, and before them they drive their prize, Mr. Benedict Nail himself, lost, alone, and not enjoying himself very much. Can you stop bloody poking me? 
he says over his shoulder to the headless Lego clown that stumps along behind him, dressmaker's pin in its cupped yellow hand. But this only makes it stab him with the pin again, and he stumbles on down the hill. All, all right, all right, I'm going, I'm going, he says. And then, where am I going? To the wild thing, there to make a trade, says the clown, waving the pin. With such a prize, good treaties are made. The wild thing, says Benedict. What kind of thing do you people call wild? A thing, says the clown. A meeting, a parliament of clans. Our king seeks alliance to grow our war band. War band, says Benedict. There's a, there's a war on now, too? The boar is out, says the king, shuffling forward. And hence the knight. He ravages our lands, so we must fight. The boar, says Benedict. You, you mean the, the animal, right? A boar? Some kind of terrible monster, isn't it? Bound to be. Eyes of flame and, and bristles of steel. That sort of thing. But he has barely spoken when a horn sounds high up on the dark hillside above them, and then another on the other side of the valley but further behind. The boar! The boar! goes up the cry from the king's train. The boar is here! Be on your guard! He is coming near! There are horns again from behind and a shout, and a great clamour of metal on metal, clattering and ringing, and the goblin band lurches into a run, pushing Benedict before them down the valley, away from the noise. The path turns a corner at the sheer cardboard face of a pack of batteries, and suddenly the road ahead is full of figures, hard to make out in the flaring light, except at their head a metal figure of a Roman legionary. The goblin horde tries to pull up and stop, but at that precise moment, whatever is pursuing catches up with them and the creatures in the rear find themselves pushed up into the ones recoiling from the front. An irresistible force is meeting an immovable object and the goblin king is caught in the middle. Creatures smash into each other, drop underfoot, scrabble up the steep valley walls. And the legionary grabs Benedict Nail and turns, pulling him after him down the valley, away from the hideous little king and his minions. Sound the retreat, says the legionary. Time we were away. Let us be off while they are in disarray. What, what's going on, says Benedict. Who are you? Marcus Flavius Aquila, narrow-band tribune of the 20th Legion, says the legionary. Leading the fight today to secure your freedom. Wait a, wait a minute, what's going on, says Benedict, trying to struggle out of the legionary's grip. People keep picking me up and putting me down like a lost thing, and I'm not sure I like it. Go where? Who are you? We have risked much to rescue you, and the night is full of dangers, says Marcus, turning away. So now we ask a risk of you. Dare you trust a stranger? Stranger is the word for it, says Benedict. Stranger and stranger. But strangest of all, Benedict finds that he does trust this Roman, he trusts him because he knows him. He remembers him. One last ember of memory, one final thing that he knows about the world and about himself. And so he finds himself following the legionary and his men into the thick darkness of the draw.
you have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. Mm-hmm.